0: And when you lose vagal tone is because there's so much stress that kind of like you're working your right arm all the time, you're going to lose tone in your left arm. So over time, the vagus will lose tone and somebody will be under stress or they'll have Gut issues or cardiovascular issues or brain issues or inflammatory issues or, you know, X, Y, or Z health issue. And we know that stress is a component of those things, but what is the mechanism? The vagus helps explain, you know, some of that mechanism of, of, but through neglect and through under activation, it loses its tone. And then we get, you know, downstream effects from that.
1: welcome to the metagenics institute podcast a place where you can hear from leading experts in health and wellness from scientists and researchers to internationally recognized clinicians enjoy this insightful conversation with host nathan rose hi everyone welcome to metagenics institute podcast I'm your host, Nathan Rose, and joining me today from Washington, Illinois, is Dr. Taylor Crick. Good afternoon, Dr. Crick.
0: Thank you, Nathan. Good afternoon.
1: Thanks for joining us. So today we're going to talk all things around vagal nerve stimulation, particularly electrical nerve stimulation, as it's piqued my interest, and I've discovered you online. Uh, So you're a functional medicine practitioner. Um, Before we dive into... Vagal nerve stimulation. Can you give us a bit of an outline of your background?
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm a I'm a chiropractor, um, but I, I'm a functional medicine practitioner now. So my doctorate is chiropractic, but I don't do any adjustments any longer. I, I did for a long time. Um, I ran a clinic in Utah, and and it was it started off as a chiropractic clinic and then transitioned into an alternative medicine clinic, functional medicine clinic. The last year that I owned it it was voted as the best in Utah for alternative medicine. So it kind of slowly transitioned from musculoskeletal to more functional. And and one of the reasons was because I'd see people that were chronically sick. Um, So, you know, with back pain, you know, if I saw 10 people with back pain, I'd adjust them and, you know, eight out of 10 would get better. And it was pretty straightforward and it was fun Mm. and it was good. But the ones that kept me up at night were like, why were the two that didn't get better? Or the people that had autoimmune or the people that had crazy symptoms, or they're taking 15 medications, and they're seeing 15 different doctors, and they're still really, really sick. And it's like, boy, why? Why isn't anybody able to help them through some of these strategies? So it started with, you know, diet, exercise, lifestyle. And and again, you add in a good diet and good exercise and some supplements for, for a lot of people. And again, 7 out of 10 of them are going to have great mm. results. But the 3 that don't is like, boy, why did they not? Or, or, So it's always that minority that that keeps me looking for more. And so it's just led me down this kind of evolution of – studying toxicity and immune function and brain function. And, you know, some of the, I would say maybe weird or maybe fringe things like we're about to talk about, but like, how do I come across, you know, vagus nerve stimulation and, and things like that. And it's from this always looking at, you know, what's causing people to get sick in today's world and why are they not getting better? And what can they do with regards to Labs or protocols or diet, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, to kind of bridge that gap between this, how people keep getting sicker and how can we help them get, you know, better faster. So that's some of my background, I guess. Um, sold my practice in Utah, now do exclusively functional medicine, um, in, Illinois, which is, I, I told you, is just right in the middle of the U.S. It's, it's pretty easy to forget where it is. It's not on the, either the fun coast. There's no mountains. It's, we got <laughs> Chicago, but, but that's about it. But um, I do a, a largely in-person practice and then a lot of virtual, a lot of virtual people as well. Um, and I'd say I focus on chronic and complex health conditions. I see a lot of autoimmune cases. I see a lot of really, 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 really complex cases. But then I also see a lot of, I would say moms, because moms today, you know, they have issues, they have fatigue, they have anxiety, they have bloating, digestive issues that are a little more than normal. So on the spectrum of severity, I see people very far down the spectrum. And I also see people that are a little more not as far down the spectrum, but they're having myriad symptoms that they don't want to take an anti-anxiety medication. And they don't understand that they're bloating is connected to their brain fog, is connected to their anxiety, is connected to their joint pain. And so we're connecting the dots through education of showing people how one thing can lead to another and how if we start knocking down these dominoes, we can kind of get all these things to start improving if we do it in the right order.
1: Beautiful. So uh, let's move to the vagus nerve now, to me, it seems to be an emerging uh, player in holistic health and I'm just curious firstly on how you piqued your interest in the vagus nerve because with, um, you know, functional medicine, we've got our key things like the gut and stress and sex hormones and liver and detox, but the vagus nerve probably flew under the radar um, in functional medicine at least. Um, it's starting to emerge and if you look online, there's, you know, Seems like there's a hundred books from different authors on how to activate the vagal nerve. Yeah, so it is um, rising in popularity, but as I said, it sort of hasn't really been that well recognized in functional medicine. So how did you stumble upon it? Uh, I suppose you would have been aware of it as a chiropractor. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so how did it how did it pique your interest?
0: Yeah. So I've been aware of the vagus and known the you know the, the the neurology of the vagus for a long time, and knowing that adjustments can impact the vagus and that the vagus is the gut-brain connection, and that's, you know, a a blossoming field of research too, knowing how important this gut-brain connection is. But it it resurfaced, honestly, through a mentor of mine who was using it clinically and talking about vagus nerve stimulation. And so I started looking into it, um, and and I think that where I started was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I started reading the studies about it, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I started trying it on people and on myself first. And then I was like, this is really, really cool. And, and first off, I'm a, I'm a nerd, I'm a science guy. I mean, I'm really intrigued by it. It, it is I, I could just read about it for hours. It's really cool. But then for something to be so easy and so low risk and so inexpensive that I started trying it. Um, And again, on myself first and then on my wife and then cherry picking a few patients like, hey, I think this is risk free. I think that you should try it. I think we should add this to what you're doing. And I had a few people like my wife, for example, she did it um, first and she said she had no idea what I was doing. She said, what is this supposed to do? I feel like I'm melting into the couch. I so, said, oh, okay, good. That's exactly what it's supposed to do, kind of. Uh, interesting. And then I just, you know, kind of evolved, you know. Then you made this video. You know, I made this video, and I wasn't like riding the Vegas nerve wave because it is very popular now. I made this video before the wave, and it's it's, it's gotten a lot of downloads. Um, but, yeah, I just made this video to educate my patients about, hey, this is what's out there. This is some new science. All this stuff has come out in the last year or two, and it's really, really cool and if you're curious, you can try it. And so more people started trying it and then more people started coming back with, you know, results or answers or improvements or, or lack of answers. Because, you know, one of the things that I know that you came across in some of the studies, there's responders and there's mm-hmm. non-responders. And I, I don't, we don't really know which one you're going to be necessarily. But again, it's, it's fairly risk-free to try it. And if you respond, you're going to get a benefit from it. And if you don't, you're at least not going to have a side effect from it. So I just yeah. started dabbling and started doing it more and more often.
1: Yeah. All right, let's just um, do a bit of a refresher on the vagus nerve. Um, yeah. So can you describe it and, yeah, with your understanding now, have you got some sort of framework? How do you describe to your patients? It seems to, as we dive into the research, it can impact so many different areas. And I suppose what, what explains that <laughs>
0: Yeah, so here's how I explain it. And again, I, the way that I explain things to people is – it's bit, this is high-level science, but I try to explain it so that anybody could understand. So the vagus comes from the brainstem and travels out to all areas of the body. Not all, but many. It's called the wandering nerve because it travels out and it wanders throughout the body to many different what's called autonomic functions which which you know the best way to describe that if you're not familiar with that word is automatic like things mm-hmm. that still happen while you're asleep you still breathe your heart is still beating your digestive system is still working you're still detoxifying all these things are autonomic functions and so the vagus connects the brain and the brain stem to the gut meaning like the entire digestive tract so the stomach to produce stomach acid, the valves to open certain valves, the what's called migrating motor complex to kind of move all your food through your digestive system and get it out into the toilet and have good motility, your gallbladder for gallbladder contraction, your liver, your diaphragm. So the vagus has branches that do all of these things. And, and the more that I was learning about it, you know, there's these different branches again, but like, When you do, I've had patients do deep breathing exercises for years, and and it's a noticeable thing that you just kind of feel calm. But when you do that, you're triggering the respiratory branch of the vagus nerve, different than the auricular branch, but same nerve, and you're kind of overriding that. So with these autonomic functions, the way that I describe it is, again, and, and with the vagus and the nervous system... The vagus is the main nerve of what's called your parasympathetic nervous system, which is like the, the opposite of your stress system, which is fight or flight. And I like to describe that one first because everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that one is because it's life. You know, it's job, life, bills, mm-hmm. go, go, go mm-hmm. of, of society. And that's stress. That's like the gas pedal of your, of your car. And the vagus in the parasympathetic or the rest and digest nervous system is more like the brake pedal. And what I tell people is that you got two sides and and it's like your two arms. If you only work one side, which is like the stress side, you're going to have a big, strong right side and you're going to have this weak, puny uh, left side that's been neglected. So most of us, we don't need any help exercising the stress side of things. We've got plenty of that going on, but we don't give any respect to the, the non-stress side, the parasympathetic side. So by doing vagus nerve exercises or activities or vagus nerve stimulation, we're strengthening that other side so that we have a balance between stress and the lack of stress or fight or flight or sympathetic and parasympathetic. We want a good balance. Just like, again, going back to the pedals in a car, you don't want just one or just the other. You don't want just a strong gas pedal or just Mm -hmm. a strong brake. You need an appropriate balance and a good driver can go back and forth between the two seamlessly and you barely ever notice. And when you lose vagal tone is because there's so much stress that kind of like you're working your right arm all the time, you're going to lose tone in your left arm. So over time, the vagus will lose tone and somebody will be under stress or they'll have gut issues, or cardiovascular issues, or brain issues, or inflammatory issues, or you know, X, Y, or Z health issue. And we know that stress is a component of those things. But what is the mechanism? The vagus helps explain, you know, some of that mechanism of, of but through neglect and through underactivation, it loses its tone, and then we get you know downstream effects from that.
1: Sure, thank you. And is it worth noting what? Um, as I understand, there's like a hundred thousand neurons in the Vegas. Um, has it been somewhat oversimplified? And if so, is that a problem anyway? Um, and it's also bi-directional. So obviously there's, there's detailed nuances. Is, it, there's is any lot. of that important to know and to yeah, distinguish? Yeah, that, and that's, that's,
0: that's, a good, that's a good point. You know? and, and, but I am oversimplifying it because I don't think that it needs to be made much more complicated. But I do think that yeah. the bidirectional component is, is really important. And in fact, about 90% of vagal fibers are afferent, meaning they're coming back to the brain. So they're more sending signals to the brain rather than the brain sending signals out like, hey, do this, do that, do this. It's more of a feedback um, a nerve as well of sending feedback uh, uh, data to the brain saying, hey, this is how things are functioning. So I do think that it's vastly oversimplified. I'm sure there are things that we have not yet discovered about the Vegas, because even with a lot of this literature that, that we, you and I have looked at, You know, if you look at the dates, a lot of it is not more than two, three years old. Mm, Um, So I think that there's still things that are being uncovered uh, with the Vegas for sure. But I think that from a practical standpoint, I think that all that you really need to know is, hey, it's really good (laughs) and it does these things. And here's some of the ways that you can stimulate it or activate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm um, particularly interested in the, the power and, and also the potential of the part of the, the vagus system is the cholinergic anti-inflammatory reflex. It's a bit of a mouthful. It was um, sort of serendipitously discovered by Dr. Kevin Tracy about two decades ago, and they've developed um, therapeutics like electrical stimulation, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, what's your thoughts? Can you explain it and what's your, your thoughts on the power and potential of this pathway?
0: um i am not that good at, at explaining it quite frankly i think that that's absolutely i mean that's a huge part of 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 this uh, the, so the vagus is uh, acetylcholine is the main neurotransmitter and so that's the yeah. the cholinergic uh, anti-inflammatory pathway i can't I- explain the pathway nathan like right off the top of my head but i just i know that's that right. it's one of the mechanisms of how does it decrease inflammation and meaning that like how does it improve motility? Well, that makes sense. It directly innervates the migrating motor complex, and it directly innervates, you know, HCL secretion and bile contraction. But how does it, in, it uh, do some of the anti-inflammatory effects? I just know that that is the explanation, but yep. I don't know that that pathway, you know, in detail. Now, what I what I do know, um, well, actually, no, I'm not even going to try to try That's to right. explain it. But no, I, do I think, know-
1: yeah, highlighting highlighting that it's anti-inflammatory as far as i can tell it seems yeah, to yeah powerful yeah. Systemic and anti-inflammatory. I'll things,
0: uh, from a cholinergic standpoint that's also uh well we'll get to it in a sec but even you you mentioned about a nutraceutical like what would a nutraceutical be that might upregulate vagal nerve tone and that's that was kind of my thoughts of uh, how nutraceuticals could impact vagus or strengthen mm. that gut brain connection is maybe even through that acetylcholine pathway or different like uh, like Hooperzine is a cholernase, uh, um, uh, what is it? Cholinesterase inhibitor, I, I believe. Inhibitor, is the yeah. name. But, um, yeah. so different things like that, that just make an impact on the acetylcholine pathways would be yeah. an intriguing way of how could nutraceuticals impact, uh, Vegas. I wasn't familiar with some of the study, you know, you had sent me some studies before we started on some of the nutraceuticals and, and berberine and different things like that. Um, and I wasn't even familiar with some of those underlying, some of those mechanisms. Mm, but I mm. think that the cholinergic pathway kind of explains how those nutraceuticals might have their impact. Yeah. Does that make sense? All Is right. that how you yeah, see yeah. it as well? Cause...
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that later. But, yeah, I think I just want to uh, highlight how it can be a potentially really powerful anti-inflammatory. Yeah, and how you can by... uh,
0: that CAP, that cholinergic uh, anti-inflammatory yeah. pathway. Um yeah, how it can how it can do that, and how it affects. I don't really. I, I before I can speak on something, I have to understand mm. it completely. And I don't understand the immunological uh, changes that happen in the yep. colonic anti-inflammatory pathway yet.
1: That's fair enough. Probably not many people do in this world. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, as I just want to establish that there's a profound anti-inflammatory potential there, yeah. activating the vagal nerve. Now, unfortunately,
0: um, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but just. That's right. Even with regards to some of those studies, like there's some intriguing studies about uh, even COVID patients and having uh, in- inflammation, like, you know, cytokine storms and things, and then vagus nerve stimulation, decreasing that inflammation. Now, I- I'd like to point out, because in some of those studies, they also put them on steroid. I mean, they also yeah. had medical intervention, but as part of their protocol or their treatment regime, it, it was a piece of the puzzle. That helped decrease this inflammation, and then some of the studies there was one that I would I don't think that I was familiar with the study, most of them that you said I was familiar with, but there was one that showing that it decreased these inflammatory cytokines uh, uh TNF, interleukin one mm. beta, interleukin six, um, so they're, they can show that when we stimulate this, cytokines lower, but i I don't know those mechanisms hypopolyses it
1: yeah it's fair enough. Um, well, most importantly, it's been shown too. So that's, that's the, the yeah, most yeah. important piece. Um, so, yeah. Speaking of, um, fortunately, we can access um, the vagal nerve or stimulate the vagal nerve um, via the ear. Can you describe that and, and how we can go about doing that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so my understanding is the external ear is the only place on the outside of the body that the vagus travels. So it's the only place uh, externally that we can that we can Stimulate transcutaneously. Now there are some more invasive ways of stimulating vagus and different uh, uh, cervical uh, units and different uh, other things that are more invasive. But yeah, and it, it, this is a a common thing in in like acupuncture, acupressure. There's some there's some different acupressure points in this area that people have used for for you know. Hundreds, if not thousands of years, I don't really know how long, but a long time that they've used, that they know to have different effects. But the vagus travels to the outside of the ear and particularly in the inner part of like the Simba conca. And my understanding of it is it travels to both ears,
1: okay. but
0: with the, with the vagus nerve stimulation, I only encourage the left ear. And the reason being is that the right vagus has some projections that connect with the heart. Ah. And so we don't want to mess with that. So that's why. And that's probably the most common question that I get on YouTube of why the left ear only. And, and because I was taught that don't use the right ear. And that that's kind of why. So I've just kind of sure. stuck with that. But the left ear. Um, but again, you can do some acupressure. People will get different piercings in these areas. And it will relieve their migraines. It will relieve certain symptoms that they've had. Um, wow. Tragus piercings or piercings in the Simba um, I just had a, a 20-year-old patient out of state recently, and she said, "Oh yeah, I just got both of these pierced in my I forget what she said, but X, Y, or Z symptom improved after the piercing." Hmm. Um, but yeah, so the outside of the ear, so through a, a tens device is what we use, but a, a, an electrical nerve stimulation you can trigger that sensory response that's putting input into the vagus, and again. When we're giving input to the vagus, it's just strengthening that vagal tone um, and upregulating vagal function. uh, Just kind of in general, it's again like your bicep of if you don't use it, you're going to lose tone, and and if you use it, you could do almost anything. But as long as you're using it, you're going to help keep that tone. You could go, you could lift weights, you could go bowling. You know, any use is going to help. Some are better than others, but anything is going to help maintain tone. Whereas disuse will lose mm. tone for sure. Yeah, um,
1: there's other other types of devices, but I, I've noticed in the literature and there's even ones you you can put to yeah, your yeah, neck.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I it, like the that seems like it's like a, a, a wave therapy of some sort. I, I'm not too familiar. A lot of people will ask me questions on on YouTube, and they'll ask me like you know, hey, what's your thoughts on this product? And, and there are, because like we talked about, this is popular. So when things get popular, you know, people are going to try to make a product mm. for it or, or sell something for it. And I think that a lot of these products, they, I'm sure they have a lot of value on them. But a lot of them, when I've gone to their websites or looked at them, they talk about how great the Vegas nerve is. And their whole website will be the stuff that we're talking about. Hey, this is what the Vegas does. And this is how important it is. And this is, And so it it is really, really important, but there's not a lot of science confirming their their Mm. equipment. And so Mm. when I look at it again, it's not that it might not work or that I think it's going to be harmful, but I look at to the cost benefit. And so comparing, you know, a tens device, which is very inexpensive and which there are studies confirming and showing that it does have efficacy versus some of these other devices that might be four or five times more expensive. And I'm like, well, you know, they have a fancy, flashy website. It does it does make it look like a very classy device. But I'm not convinced that you're going to get your money's worth compared to the 10s device. So there are a lot of options out there. And I think that for somebody that's got, you know, uh, resources that feel free to try, try them all out. I'm trying to find the biggest bang for the buck. And this is what I stumbled upon first was the 10s. And then I and then the research does support it. So for me, I'm not like looking for a million ways to stimulate the vagus. I found this one that seems to be working really well, um, and, and, and people are enjoying it. But then again, I would say that even from a non-device standpoint, I've for years I've had people do vagus nerve exercises like gargling, gagging. Um, you know, hot and cold showers can stimulate mm-hmm. Vegas. You know, other things, you know, the deep breathing, like I mentioned, lots of things can stimulate Vegas. Um, but I don't think that they're as, as exciting as the science behind uh, transcutaneous. And I don't think it's as easy. You know, you could have this clip to your ear while you're driving. You could have a clip to your ear while you're doing dishes. You know, you can be doing stuff as opposed to like meditation. You know, meditation is a very powerful tool. But you got to have silence and time. And I have three kids, six and under. I very rarely have silence or time. So, <laughs> venous nerve stimulation is is easy. Um, and yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I don't know if – obviously, I, I think it's – I don't think there's any harm to this. But my kids, they, they always want to put it on, like just to try. And so, yeah. they love wearing it around. I keep it so low. They don't feel anything. I doubt it's really doing anything. But – It's something that's easy and enjoyable enough that I can get a kid to do it or you can teach, you know, a 70-year-old to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Anybody can do it and it's fairly inexpensive. And as far as what I've seen, risk-free or very, very low risk. I don't think anything is risk-free, but very, very low risk.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah well said yeah yeah it looks like there's some expensive more expensive devices out there that look flash um and maybe they they got like a single earpiece and it might be a little bit more convenient but for the, the cost to buy a tens machine and, a, and an ear clip it's it's, it's really exactly
0: and then again it, it, i'm sure we've seen some of the same devices but you go to their site and it's just again you we can make the vegas nerve sound really appealing because it is it's it's It does so many things, and it's so important for so many areas. And even the studies have shown, if you just talk about the studies of vagus nerve stimulation, Mm. but you don't talk about is it transcutaneous, is it auricular, is it with a TENS, is it with a device, just vagus nerve stimulation, it's mind-blowing what all it's been shown to do. But is that what you're doing sometimes no with some of these devices?
1: Yeah, yeah. Alright, we'll use that as a segue to look at some of the research. Um so we can pick and choose from a, a list I, I went through and sounds like you're really familiar with a lot of these studies. I thought um, first of all, there's some research just looking at the effects of um this transcutaneous uh stimulation for heart rate variability, because that's as a as we a proxy obviously for sympathetic and parasympathetic tone, is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um yeah. So, there's been some research there. Um, anything that jumps out at you there? And also, I think also on brain, like it, um, I think they've done MRI studies, have they, to, to look at um, results during stimulation? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I think, I don't remember the exact citation. I don't think that it was in the list that you and I exchanged, but uh, I have a video on my YouTube, but I, talking about uh, studies supporting depression, anxiety, brain brain issues. So I I don't, and in the video, I for sure go through the exact citations. I don't remember them exactly off the top of my head right now, but I do know that there are studies for that. But I think that some of the ones that, that, you know, you and I had even looked at, but one of the ones that's exciting, um, it's, I mean, it's honestly, it's pretty, oh wait, I just clicked on, I clicked on something that I shouldn't have. Um, One of the ones that is exciting was done in over 55, year old Mm. Um, and it just like some of the things that it showed they're fairly basic they're fair they're very very subjective but they got better sleep they got better quality of life they had better overall mood which all of those things it's like uh, okay like they're again they're very very subjective so I wouldn't say that it's like the same as uh you know pre post clinical trial type of stuff but it still it shows promise And, and again in that study there, was resp- there were responders and there were non-responders. But I think that that was one of the first ones that I came across. First, I came across studies of vagus nerve stimulation, just in general. It was like, wow, this right. is really, really cool. I'm not sure if the TENS is accomplishing these things, but it's still really cool. Then I came across that study, which I don't think was using a TENS, but was still is auricular and it was getting closer. And then the other one, and I'm pulling up the list um, – because the citation escapes me, but it's, the name is like very, very straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, they applied transcutaneous vagus nerve stimulation to healthy adults and it decreased sympathetic output. And and it was something very, very straightforward like that. And they used a tens and they used it at the exact settings that I was teaching people. And it was exactly what we do, but it decreased their sympathetic output. So I'll show that to people and just say, hey, you know, again, for most patients, I don't need to do much convincing to make them understand that they're under stress. Like everybody knows that, that I see. So it's, again, it's how can we manage the stress response? So most people, when I say, hey, this is one of the ways that you could manage the stress response, you clip it on, you do it for 15 to 20 minutes a day or a couple times a day. Um, and I given them the instructions, most people are like, yes, absolutely. I'd love to try that. So I got a, a, a little bit of a good, you know, pool to try things on because mm. my patients are very willing and anything that's not another pill, they take a lot of supplements, you know, put them on uh, nutraceutical mm. protocols and stuff. So anything that we can do that's going to be non pill and also again, like meditation, that's also not going to be time consuming, uh, but it's easy. So we try to think of things that are impactful but are easy. So I'll show them those studies and just say, Hey, this, this is what makes me believe that this has potential. I don't know what it's going to do for you, but I think that it's worth a shot. Would you like to try it? And then they do. And then they come back and some people quite frankly say they don't feel anything like, okay, well, I still think that it's a good idea. Some people have said, you know, like, Oh, I feel so Zen or I feel so calm or kind of like my wife. Or I had somebody recently, we, have a, we recorded a video of it, um, and he said it was been, it's been life-changing. I said, wow, life-changing? He said, life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for some people, their, their impact is more than others. And I think that you saw, like some of these studies, the people who were more stressed to begin with had greater results, which I think makes sense. It's like the people who have more, who, the people who are more overweight, are going to have more results with weight loss. You know, if you've got hundred mm-hmm. pounds to lose versus somebody that's got ten pounds to lose, you're going to have greater results. You're going to lose more weight. You could lose forty percent of that weight, and you've lost forty pounds. The other person loses forty percent; they've only lost four. So, of course, the more stressed you are to begin with, f- focusing on stress is you're going to have more market improvements. Um. But so and I would say that it's hard to say who's going to be a responder and who's going to be a non-responder right. but the People yeah. that I'm recommending it for are the people who are stressed. You know, the people who are known that stress is a component or let's say they have an autoimmune disease and they're like, um, you know, when COVID started my autoimmune disease flared or when I, I had this traumatic event two years ago, I went through a divorce and my autoimmune disease flared and always flares when I'm under stress. so people that notice that stress is a known trigger of their symptoms uh i'm I'm trying it in these people first, um, but I do think that it's it's kind of something like, hey, everybody could do it. it makes sense to do for everybody but i don't i don't I don't put everybody on a tens device. Uh, it's kind of hit or miss with my patient population
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah it's fascinating um so do you see have you seen uh changes in um autonomic tone say with the heart rate variability
0: i would say um, for me no um and i mean me personally and me clinically because i measure my own heart rate variability or with just with an aura ring um yeah but it's not something that i measure clinically okay so it's not something that i've i've seen pre and post. so when i use it I do do a lot of pre and post labs. So I might see, you know, somebody's inflammation come down. Right. But again, it's not this isn't the only variable. So sure, sure. we're doing lifestyle, we're doing diet, we're doing supplements. So I see objective improvement, meaning labs improve through myriad of mechanisms, but I also see subjective improvement mm-hmm. of like if you're feeling under stress and you're feeling Brain foggy and, and and anxious and bloaty and all those things, and we start doing a, a an intervention protocol. Like let's say it's just tens tens unit on the year and That's the only thing that we're going to do. Well, in two weeks or a month, when we follow up, I say is it getting better or not? Um, so I see a lot of symptomatic improvement, but I can't say like oh it was all the tens. You know I can't give it all the credit yes. to the Vegas yeah. nerve. But it's a it's a piece of it, and and I think that the metaphor that I use is for for, and for patients. What I do is I want to give them tools in their tool belt, meaning that if you have a particular project like at home, you might not use every tool in your tool belt, but you bring them all so that you're prepared, and then you use the tools that you need. So if you go through a hard, uh, you know, week or month or year. That's a little long, but that might be the Mm -hmm. time to pull out the TENS unit of when you feel like your body's getting too stressed, you feel like your right arm is getting worked out, your left arm is getting neglected. That might be the time to start doing the the TENS unit more often and more vagus nerve stimulation. And then as that calms, you might stop. I'll tell you a story. This is what got me onto this from one of my mentors in the autoimmune world. He, He was got uh, turned on to this by another practitioner too. And he had a person with an inflammatory skin condition, an autoimmune skin condition, and and stress was a part of it. And she was going through a divorce, and her skin flared. And she's doing other things too from a functional Mm -hmm. medicine standpoint. But they added in the transcutaneous vagus nerve stimulation. She started doing it 15 minutes, three times a day. Skin cleared up. She stopped doing it. As everybody does, you know, symptoms mm-hmm. are motivating. So she stopped doing it as aggressively. Skin started to flare back up. She started doing it again aggressively. Skin went back down. So she noticed a direct correlation of symptoms flaring from stress, symptoms going down from taking some of that stress off that system. Then when she pulled back, symptoms flared again. And we noticed that with nutraceuticals, right? And I had a patient... Yeah. Today, say as long as I take X number of dosage, I feel no pain. If I take half that dosage, I feel pain, and if I don't take it at all, I'm I'm full. I'm back to where I started. So dosage does matter. Um, and the same thing with the with the vagus nerve. If you're not that stressed and you're not that inflamed and you're not doing that poorly, I, I don't think you need to do it 15 minutes three times a day. But if you're in a place where things are flaring and your world is falling apart, and you've got myriad symptoms, and you're you're you know very very sick and motivated, well, we're going to be more aggressive at first than last. But you know, I, I, I'm digressing from the question. I haven't noticed any heart rate variability changes. And the other thing that I would say with that too, and I don't, I'm not an expert on heart rate variability. I know quite a right. bit about it, but uh, my understanding is it's hard to compare person to person. Like my understanding from an aura ring is what they say is don't compare yourself to your friends. Just compare yourself to, to how you were last week or last month. Because some people might be very, 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 very stressed and their heart rate variability might be 60. And for another person, they even on their good days, they never hit 60. So Mm. I, I have trouble using, the the numbers and saying like if you're below this number your heart rate variability is bad or it's good it might just be bad or good for you like i know a few people who were who were college athletes and their heart rate variability is crazy better than mine and i've got like heart hrv envy uh i think i don't they are more fit than me but i don't think that they're any less stressed than me it's just our bodies are different
1: yeah that makes sense all right, so just to round off, I'll just summarise, and we'll put this in the show notes for mood. There's been trials on major depression versus, and they also often use a sham, don't they, where they put it on another part of the year or something to as, yeah. a, as a control and it's showing yeah, it's benefits. Yeah, to sham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and some interesting studies on fear extinction, so maybe even for um, you know anxiety, and I think they're currently doing research on PTSD. Yeah, I might have
0: um, that. Can, can I mention something else real yeah, quick about that too? Absolutely. Because I think it's intriguing, even with some of the past uh, conversations you've had. But so the the Vegas one study that I've come across showed it was an fMRI study, and they did transcutaneous vagus nerve stimulation while in an fMRI, and it and it calmed activity in limbic regions. And so limbic regions are are connected with this, you know, fear and PTSD and like this. This kind of uh, – your brain gets in this fear base where it's just afraid of everything. So it's, it gets sensitive to your environment. And there's a component to this uh, about with, – with mast cells. And mast cells are, are – they line the limbic area. So there's a lot of mast cells in areas like the amygdala. And the amygdala wow. is a big fear-sensing area. So that's kind of my, my theory of how mast cells get triggered – by different things like that's my whole talk uh, with the post, the long COVID summit that we talked about off air. COVID triggers mast cells, which trigger neuroinflammation of limbic areas, mm. and you know, X, Y, and Z. But then vagus stimulation can help calm some of those limbic areas and some of those fear areas and some of those PTSD type areas where we hold some of those traumas and some of those dangers and, and things like that. Whether it be from an emotional, psychological danger like PTSD, or it be from a toxic, you know, mold, metals, Lyme disease, uh, some kind of trigger like that, um, I think there's a, a, a connection between these two uh, limbic system, mast cells, vagus nerve, and yeah, it's in the mind. It's myocony- fascinating. It is fascinating.
1: So do, do you think um, this could be a tool in some of those chronic complex conditions? That's what I find Absolutely. really fascinating about the limbic retraining. We had Asha Gupta on the program, um, and I think he's about to publish on actually using his program for long COVID with some um, yeah. great and results. Yeah, uh, and
0: you had Ashok Gupta, but you also had another Gupta about that. Oh, him. yeah, Sandeep. Sand
1: yeah. Yes, yeah. so Dr. Sandeep Gupta up on the gold uh, sunshine coast yeah. here, speaking about mast cells. Yeah. yeah. So. so,
0: so I do think that this is a, a, a really important part, and and I think that even with Dr. Gupta's stuff, uh, and I, he's on the the long COVID summit that I that I did. Um, ah. But there's a, there's a connection. I 100 think so. I, I think that the limbic system being part of or the the vagus nerve being connected with the limbic areas. And again, I referenced this one fMRI study to just show that, hey, when somebody's doing this, it can calm down activity in those limbic areas. But I think going through and doing some of the limbic system retraining stuff and then also combining some of the mast cell stuff with it too, mm. um, which is maybe like, uh, you know, Neil Nathan talks about a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, i on. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Okay. I figured. Yeah. Good. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> You've all the good people on. Uh, Theo. Uh, have you ever heard of Theo Theahritis, uh, Greek? Yeah. Greek? Have you I love heard his name. name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never he, had him on, but I, I follow his research. Yeah. I love yeah. Yeah. So another like mast cell. So I think that this is just fascinating. And I think that long COVID is just like kind of a new part of this puzzle. But again, these, these chronic, really, really sick, really, really sensitive patients. Um, that you can't even begin with nutraceuticals because they're so sensitive to their environment. That first thing you got to do is sometimes calm down just their sensitivity so that they stop reacting to everything. And then you can actually start making some progress with, with nutraceuticals and otherwise. Mm -hmm. But I I think there's a a huge connection. That's kind of what led me down. This was Dr. Gupta's work, uh, Annie hoppers work, you know, some of the, some of the uh, limbic system retraining stuff and kind of, Trying to make sense of how did toxins or traumas both impact this limbic area, and then you know the the kind of cell danger response, and then the mast cells, and like I'm I'm fascinated by those complex cases.
1: Yeah, me too, absolutely. And what appeals to me with with this uh, therapy is that it's so generic and accessible, as as we mentioned. Uh, I think the challenge, say with Particularly, like mold is, um, if you, you know, follow the I suppose traditional shoemaker protocol, it's quite um, laborious. Um, there's some, you know, potentially inaccessible medications for many practitioners. Whereas this, it feels like it could, you know, remove some of those layers. Is, would you agree? Disagree?
0: I, I agree completely. Uh, what I think, this is just what I see. Okay, I'm not a shoemaker guy, but I'm also not opposed to shoemaker. Anybody in the mold world, you know knows Dr. Shoemaker, but I don't follow like his step, step step-by-step protocol. But I feel like there's a lot of people out there taking this information from people like Shoemaker and uh, Dr. Gupta and others and kind of like putting it into their own protocols. So like for, let me contrast my patients to maybe somebody that, that sees Neil Nathan for, for, for the people that I see, they're not far enough down the spectrum that they right. can't ever leave their house or they're not yeah. the sick of the sick. Usually I do see some very sick people, but there's usually things that we can do to make an impact on these, on these chronically ill people. And so I glean things from Dr. Shoemaker and I glean things mm. from, um, you know, Dr. Horowitz in, in Lyme disease. And I glean things from Dr. Theohardis in, in, in mass cells. And I glean things from Dr. Gupta and et cetera but I'm trying to piece them together for what works for my practice and for my patient population. So I feel like this has been a a huge part. And and I feel like to add to any protocol, like you said with shoemakers or something, it doesn't hurt anything to add it to it. But again, if you're going through something that's already pretty laborious and intensive, you might not want to add anything to it. Um, But I've kind of found a way where it fits in, you know, for my patients and kind of what we do, you know, protocol wise, and again, even for our people, it's, it's not something that I'm encouraging people do forever for the rest of their life, even though it might not be a bad idea, but we're using it again, a, a tool for the job. And then we're shifting to another job. So like if we're kind of come in and, you know, redo your house or whatever, mm-hmm. in the bathroom first, and then we'll do the bedroom. And then we'll do the kitchen rather than come in and blow the whole thing apart. So if stress. Is kind of the first thing that we need to look at, or, or you know, neuroinflammation or limbic system disruption, or you know, something along those lines. Then I might use um, vagus nerve stimulation along with maybe a binaural beats or a deep breathing program or some nutraceuticals to try to calm down neuroinflammation or stabilize mast cells. And then when we feel like we've either completed that job or we've made progress on the job then we might move on to the next job so then we might move on to to the mold detox or or something else so i'm not using it all the time but more episodic of here for the next month i want you to do this twice a day and we'll follow up in a month and then if things are better in a month we might say okay let's pull back on that and let's go hard on on something else so that's kind of the way that, that, that i practice um, yeah yeah and how it can like fit it.
1: in i like it all right i might just wrap up some of the research because i said we can put this in the show notes so not only stress and mood but also th- pain states migraines rheumatoid arthritis Been some research on the other one that jumped out at me interestingly was um, for pre-diabetes it was a small improvement in, um, that to our was fascinating.
0: Oh,
1: yeah <laughs> so it really shows the um potential you know widespread benefits And speaking of, I just put a link and we can put it in the show notes as well on um, clinicaltrials.gov and there was over 120 citations of current um, studies or proposed studies in the future from pain, endometriosis, um, a lot of things on alcohol withdrawal and opioid use, um, many years, tinnitus, Parkinson's, obesity, POTS and some, some gut things like IBS and IBD. So. I don't know, did any any of those jump out at you, or you want to comment on? Um,
0: you know, I, I want to comment on all of them. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think that it, again, it's fascinating, and, and I think that again, what I look at is what are some unifying things of like, you know, obviously all these diseases are different names that we put on different mm. collections of symptoms, but we're all human. So, like, what makes humans malfunction? Certain things that, that we all share, and for some of us, it might present as POTS, and for somebody else, it might present as panic attacks, but those both might be have have involvement, let's say, with limbic system issues, but two different presentations. And so I think that Vegas is something that, that it, it can help so many people because it impacts so many different areas, and it's kind of like mitochondrial, like understanding the mitochondrial yeah. is like, boy, what – health condition could that not help because it causes all of them because it's, it's almost, it's, a, it's kind of everything. It's like if your mitochondria aren't functioning, nothing is going to be working properly. I'll tell people, I don't care if you have a Ferrari or you got a piece of junk. If you don't have gas, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and so the mitochondria is another thing that like, boy, by working on that, I don't need to be a pot specialist or a Parkinson's specialist or a chronic fatigue specialist I can be a little bit of a generalist and see all these different conditions, but help them all by this, uh, this kind of unified approach, even though it's mm-hmm. very customized to the individual too, but you know if that makes sense. So I think that it's, it's more than anything that, that research is very, very exciting. Um, but I, I don't think that it's surprising when you understand just the far-reaching effects of, of the vagus and just sympathetic dominance versus parasympathetic it, it, it leads to all these problems. So if you get somebody out of that, you can reverse some of those problems.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, now you've mentioned a few times. It might be worth just describing how you actually go about stimulating the vagus nerve with this with the tens machine. So can oh, yeah. you run through? Yeah, and um, I'm curious on also without getting too technical, um, like the the time that the the frequency. <laughs> how do you explain that? And um, And also, how do you work out what frequency is best for you?
0: Yeah. Um, So my answer is not like the most scientific answer by any means. It's because this is what I was told to do by a mentor of mine. And so I started doing it and it started working. So I didn't have to go through a lot of trial and error. I did try. Uh, I've I've done a lot of hacks and tried different things of different sensors and different uh, places on the ear and different things with the electrical pad or two sensors together and different things like that. But... I was I was lucky enough to be kind of spoon-fed. Here's what you said it at. So uh, I have personally played around with the frequency. Some of those studies, the frequency was drastically different than than mm. what I've been familiar with, with maybe 15 to 30 hertz. One of those studies was like at one hertz. Um, yeah. So I've, I have played around with it. And I mostly based mine off my own personal, just subjective experience. I feel more at a slower hertz. I, I feel more... At 15 hertz, then at 30 hertz. right? Um, meaning a little more of a calm and a little more of like a subjective feeling. Now, I think that more of the studies have done more of 30 hertz. So, I, I kind of go back and forth. I basically go off what I know for my patients. And I say, hey, this is what the studies show. So, I'll give them pretty exact instru- instructions. I'll say set it at 200 microseconds, set it at uh, 30 hertz, and do it 15 minutes twice a day and and i just i don't say hey play around with this i just say hey right. just kind of set it and forget it but some of my yep. patients do play around with it and i encourage that but again in the world of like trying to get yourself well there's so many variables so if i can take some of those variables out for my patients it just simplifies things um but i will say that i especially until i came across that one study i struggled with that a lot like how do we know if it's working how do we know if we're at the right hertz? How do we know that we're actually stimulating vagus? How do we know that we're actually getting, you know, increased vagal tone? Because even heart rate variability is affected by by many things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how can we tell if it's working or not? So the way that I do that, and, and again, for me personally, or because I have a practice space, it, I follow up with people like, hey, are you feeling better? <laughs> are you not? And so if they're feeling better, like, hey, it's working. If they're not, then it's not working. And again, we're doing multiple things, but that's how we measure success. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I, and I'm not a physicist either of like, you know, the, the Hertz, the microseconds, the, the different measurements. Luckily, if I had to figure that out on my own, I I probably would have failed. (laughs) Luckily, I just was told, punch this into the machine and try it. And and that's what I did.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, typically it's a 30 Hertz and, and, most, if not every, all tens machine, machines you purchase—they ha- they're adjustable, aren't they? To yeah, so you can yeah. set it so that yeah. yeah.
0: And so it, I said, you know, when we sell one, you know, it's just like a basic one; it's very easy. But a lot of people will they kind of say, "I have a TENS. So okay, well, okay. as long as it's adjustable, you can yep, use it. Yep. Some of them yep. just say back, shoulder, neck. You know, so they're uh, pre yeah. programs, and you can't yep. use those. But right, as long right. as you can adjust it. Uh, then, then I, it should work.
1: And then you just buy like a, a ear clip, It's so a few dollars online.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, ear all clip, right, well, muscle pads usually come with it. Um, and that's another thing. And I will just throw this out there. I don't know if you've come across this at all, but some people out there will, and some of the studies even are two clips. So a, you know, positive and negative mm-hmm. electrode on either side of the tragus. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the the stuff that I had come across initially was one clip in in a muscle pad to kind of complete that circuit. Okay. Um So, but I still use a muscle pad here. I found that it I, I feel it fine. I feel like it works well. I wasn't having a lot of success mostly with I was having to MacGyver together the clips <laughs> yeah. to yeah you know, to get them yeah. to work, and it was kind of tricky. Um, and it was it wasn't that I couldn't do it in my own living room. It was like how am I going to get my you know, 70 year old patient to figure this out. Mm -hmm. They're not going to. So uh, I've experimented with some of those things. I also, there's also some even troubleshooting things that like, sometimes I don't feel any, anything. And and, I mean, all I do is I, I lick my finger and get a little bit of moisture between the electrode in my ear to try to just increase that connectivity. But there's little hacks like that, that I've kind of figured out along the way. But um
1: yeah and also the um power so you you connect it up you put it on the lowest um power and then slowly turn it up
0: the the power yeah. until you feel yeah. a, a tingling. Yeah. then yeah. you back it off a bit exactly yeah exactly and, you, so and, and you know you feel like a little like eh, like it, it you know kind of bites and it, it kind of hurts for a second then you just turn it back down so it's you don't want it to be inducing harm or pain but you want to be able feeling it to me at least like feeling a little something lets me know that it's doing something like yeah, i, I yeah. believe that it could be doing something even if i'm not feeling it but i like to at least know that it's on it's happening it's working or it's at least doing something whether it's stimulating my vagus or not i don't really know like we're mentioning but i can at least feel that it's doing something so i'm yeah, at least giving yeah. it a chance yeah i agree
1: all right, I think we've done a good tour of the, the topic um, any sort of closing remarks comments just if you want to reiterate the potential utility um, on, on vagal nerve simulation
0: yeah sure so I, I'd say just to reiterate the potential utility so the vagus is is just it, it's I mean arguably the most important nerve in the body um, and it's more than just one one nerve it comes from one motor nuclei but it's got multiple branches but it's, it's just very, 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 very important for everything from gut-brain connection to detoxification to inflammation to even how your brain uh, perceives stimulus like like pain stimuli and things like that. So the vagus is very, very important. And in most people, just due to our lifestyles, the vagus has lost tone because we, we are under more stress. We're working that sympathetic side of our nervous system so much that the parasympathetic side doesn't get enough respect and that's, you know, sleep and rest and digest and, and you know, uh, reproduction and, and things like that on that side of things. So I think that we can see through life, like, hey, everybody out there probably has some degree of this issue. We're a little too stressed and we don't give enough respect to our, our, our relaxation side of things. So this is one of the ways to do that. And when we do, the studies have shown that it can have an effect on health outcomes. So it can have an effect on sympathetic output, but it could also have an effect on pain, on inflammation, on digestive issues, on even um, the quality of life and just some of those Mm -hmm. things that are a little more abstract. But by doing this easy, inexpensive, fairly risk-free thing... It, it has the potential to trigger this very, very powerful pathway and have elicit these very powerful responses. So again, I don't, I'm not like a, everybody in the world needs to do vagus nerve. I'm not like the got the vagus nerve guy, but mm-hmm. I, I believe that it's an important tool to have in your tool belt. And it's a very, very powerful tool. And so it might be like, you know, I don't want to say it's like the drill in your tool belt, but it's, it's pretty stinking important. And as far as its uh, utility compared to its cost, it's very, very uh, high on my list for cost, benefit, side effect, uh, matrix there, that it can hit all of those all those different areas.
1: Brilliant summary. Thank you. Dr. Crick, it's been a pleasure meeting you and talking to you. Um, where can people find out more about you, your yeah, clinic? You've got your own podcast.
0: Yeah, so podcast, um, the autoimmune doc podcast. So wherever you're listening to this podcast at, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, wherever it is, um, that you can find me on, on there too. It's fairly new, not, not a ton of episodes there. But for more of, along these lines, YouTube um, is a great place. And my clinic is called Washington Wellness Center. So that's where the, uh, my YouTube channel is at. Um, If you type into YouTube, Vegas nerve stimulation, my video is probably going to pop up number one or towards the top. But more topics on there about like, you know, limbic system disruption, binaural beats, coffee enemas, uh, you know, it's like just different uh, things that we use in practice but explaining the mechanisms behind those. So podcast and YouTube, a great place to, to find me and, you know, learn some of the stuff that we're teaching and watch some of the videos. I do have a series, uh, like a, a number of other Vegas videos. One's called, one's called how to stimulate the Vegas nerve with the TENS device. So that's the most popular one that, that I've referenced mm-hmm. a couple of times. Then there's another, a couple others talking about uh, some of the research behind Vegas, some of the studies behind Vegas. Um, and then another one that's called Six Ways to Stimulate the Vagus Nerve, where we talk about some of the more gargling, gagging, some of those other things that you can do, meditation, deep breathing, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, I've got more than one video on on the power of the vagus. It, people want me to do more. I'm I'm into the idea. I love this, this topic and this conversation. But I, I'm not going to do more because I feel like this is – you don't need to – to have more on the same topic. I think that this gives plenty of tools that people can use. And when they start doing it on a consistent basis, whether it's gargling, gagging, deep breathing, meditating, or using the TENS unit, when you do some of those things on a consistent basis, you're going to start to notice positive effects. Just like like I mentioned, when you do things for your left arm, if you do them consistently, you're going to notice positive effects, whether it's bowling or weightlifting or dart throwing you're going to notice positive effects by just doing something consistently. So that's my thing is that something's better than nothing, and I think that this is a really good way. But YouTube, podcasts, great ways to find me.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I really recommend people check those out and we'll put them in the show notes. Well, once again, thanks a lot, Dr. Crick. It's great to meet you, and um, maybe we can connect in the future and talk more about vagal nerve or other topics.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Nathan. And I, I'm I'm excited to stay tuned to your your podcast, and I subscribe to your podcast. And like, you got a lot of topics that I really, 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 really enjoy. So I, I'm going to keep you know diving into those because there's an extensive you know archive of them too. So I uh, appreciate what you're doing too. Um, and it's cool that we're in completely different continents, but the, the information is the same. We're all people, um, so the information is the same, and we can share it to our are given you know, tribes in different continents, but also kind of cross over too. So I appreciate the invitation.
1: My pleasure. For useful links and resources, make sure you check out the show notes. The information provided in this episode is for educational purposes only, and is not intended to be a substitute for health and medical care. Always consult a healthcare professional for medical
0: advice.